a Tricky Kid Media original presentation distributed by iHeartRadio. Hey, all you fans, marks, smarks, jobbers, cheerers, and jeerers. Get ready for an exciting bout of no-holds-barred fun. I'm Dana French, and this is Wrestling. Welcome to an exciting addition to the Tricky Kid Radio Podcast Network, where we take on all corners in the world of professional wrestling. We will be talking with legends from the past, the best talent of today, and rising stars of the future. Don't miss weekly post-show analysis, guest commentary, and live remotes from the matches with your host, a veteran of calling the action ringside, Roy Turner. Joining me this week is none other than Digital Spies, wrestling correspondent, all-around total badass, calling us from the UK, Stephanie Chase. Stephanie, welcome to Tricky Kid Radio's This Is Wrestling. Thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. How are you? I, I am good. And to all of our people watching us on the Twitch stream right now, welcome. You get, we'll get to your questions here in just one second. Uh, we also just want to do a quick little plug here that we're also, there will be a video version of this. If you do miss the stream, that we'll have exclusive content that will also will be on our YouTube channel. Uh, and Stephanie, and you're welcome to any and all content that we do today to use in any way that you see fit as well. So Awesome. Uh, and that was... Uh, um, so I guess the first thing we should talk about, uh, one thing I thought might be kind of fun is I kind of wanted to introduce uh, you to our audience and then maybe me to yours a little bit. One, I, I guess I was introduced to your, to you probably sometime in, earlier this year. And I really admire the work that you're doing. Thank you. Uh, I don't know, like somebody might have, you know how it works. Somebody likes something mm-hmm. that you said that I follow. And uh, and I thought, well, this is interesting. And so I just kept, I, I followed you and I kept following. I was like, I like everything she has to say. We're, we're in cahoots here. <laughs> Uh, so how do you how do you identify? I know there's all these little different types of wrestling fans, and it's all it's, it's, it's like yeah. it's all rock and rolls to me. You know what I mean? But uh-huh. talk to me about that first. Like, what kind of how do you self identify in terms of wrestling? Well, firstly, I'm a rock and roll wrestling fan for sure. <laughs> um, I identify as a long time wrestling fan, so I started watching wrestling back when WCW still existed. So that's how I got into wrestling um, from those WCW days. So I've kind of been through it all. I've been through WCW. I was around when ECW was around, um, and then getting into WWE F and the Attitude Era, um, and. Then I'm also liking, you know, like New Japan and stuff like that, like in later years. And now we're here. We're like two years or more into AEW. And now I see myself as a huge AEW fan. So, yeah, I'm a longtime fan that's seen the kind of evolution of the business in the past 20 years. Um, That's all kind of brought us to where we are today. Yeah. It's hard not to be an AEW fan. If you're a wrestling fan... It, like this is you have to be an AEW fan if you're a wrestling fan, yeah. And, and that's what I say right now, and, and that, that is the one thing I did want to disclaim is that I I'm really not into this battle. I'm not into this. This is better. This is a competition. WWE or one is better than the other. Man, it's just uh, if you're a wrestling fan, what a great time to be a fan. And if you grew up with wrestling, 
Uh, gosh, AEW is just really firing on all cylinders, aren't they? Yo, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when it comes to the, the WWE versus AEW battle, I just feel like as, as such a long-term like viewer, I think in the past couple of years, WWE um, just hasn't like spoken to me. I've, I've felt like quite let down by it. And then AEW comes around and it, it feels like they're doing stuff kind of more akin to what got me interested in the first place. So I think that's why I enjoy it so much. But it is a great, great time to be a fan. Like for people that just love WWE, you've got that and they're doing, you know, really well in some respects. But then for AEW, it's like, you not you don't just get AEW, but you get all these other things brought in, like how we're seeing, you know, people like Minoru Suzuki come through that forbidden door. Right. And it's so exciting. And they like, they're using people, like one of the biggest things for me is that they have Sting. Um, and I've been such a, a fan of Sting since I started watching wrestling and to see him in AEW and like having been so respected for like the legend that he is, especially after he had a, a very bad WWE run that made me right, really upset, right. like Sting coming in, that was that just like showed me that this is something like really, really good. And, and I think Tony Khan, he's, he's been watching wrestling like longer than I have. And I think that he really understands and, and respects the business of it. Well, you know, I mean, that's the thing, too, is that whether he does or doesn't, he's convinced the, the public that he that he does. And then he backs yeah. that up. So there's there's no reason to not believe it. And that's and that's yeah. the whole thing. If if we believe if he believes it, we believe it. Mm-hmm. And that's what sells that. Let's get into a couple of things here, because because we'll, like you and I can use terms like like you even use the term forbidden door. Like I would not have yeah. known what that meant like 48 hours ago like i just <laughs> learned what what that meant right yeah. so to, to, to share with you just for a second for me i was somebody who i turned 18 in 92 so i'm a little bit older than you are and so when i turned 18 i did that thing where all oh, i gotta put the kid stuff away you know what i mean mm-hmm. and if you and people like you who know the wrestling history you know that 1992 93 was one of the weirdest most pivotal like I turned basically the day after WrestleMania eight, I stopped watching wrestling. Mm-hmm. If I had turned the TV back on six months later, I wouldn't have recognized anything. Yeah. So, so I didn't realize that the reason why it had changed so much, I thought it was because of the amount of time that had gone by since I saw it, not realizing that it just, it changed dramatically just a few months later. Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't come back into it until around 2001. So I literally have never seen one moment of WCW programming as it aired. Now I've, I've gone back. I give you that to you as for your perspective, because mm-hmm. there's the type of wrestling fan out there that, uh, that I think that AEW is kind of drawn to. Cause I can remember being a kid and, you know, being a wrestling fan, it's tough when, whenever you're a young person, if it was back in the eighties, nobody wants to preserve it for you. Like they do Santa Claus. Like, you know, don't tell them Santa Claus isn't real. They, they can't wait to tell you that, that it's, you know, not exactly real. So I would always would defend what I watched, which was the NWA and in, in mid South and say the WWF. Now that's when, when, when you, when you mention fake, that's what you're talking about. Yeah, you see, mm-hmm. uh, I see that in the in the type of fans that are drawn to AEW. There's that super hyper serious fan 
that 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 knows every, you know they they can tell you when Jim Cornette farted back in '85, and you know what I mean. Um, I, I'm not nothing against those guys. I'm just I'm not that knowledgeable. So I, I give that to you as is my roadmap. I'm somebody yeah. that just simply loves professional wrestling, um, and in terms of all the 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 ins and outs of who's dating who, and, and it's fun, right? But in terms of having uh, it from a almost like a political platform of what represents me i'm just a fan you know yeah so uh so uh and i wanted to explain a couple of things to the to uh, our listeners so you're calling me from the uk or where in the uk are you calling from london i thought so but you tend to have a bit of a glaswegian accent are you scottish no i'm irish irish I'm, that's not what it is yeah, okay yeah i'm from belfast but i live in london Okay, okay, because because a lot of people might kind of go, oh, he's a special guest. Uh, the uh, she's almost a superhero. Uh, <laughs> no, I am almost a superhero's husband. Is from the same place as me. Uh, big demo, um, Damien, that uh, was released a couple months ago. But yeah, um, Bel- that is a Belfast accent. Okay, okay, so 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 that that that, looks, that wraps all that up there. So. Mm-hmm. I, so I figured what we would do is I think we're going to get a couple of episodes out of this because I'd like to talk about wrestling a, a, right now with you. and But then we'd also kind of want to shine a light just on you. So when they see the episodes, they might see AEW, you know, all out, Summer of Punk and yeah. with commentary from you. But then there's going to be a whole other thing that it's just about you. And so we're going to mm-hmm. get into that, too. Um, so I guess the first thing we should talk about, because there's just so much, like I already had written all my notes down and this spoilers, if you haven't seen Raw last night, Big E is the champion, Stephanie. Yes. Big E is the champion. Talk to me about that. Well, at first this has been really long overdue for Big E. Um, so, so many years overdue for Big E, um, at least about seven but last night's Raw was was really interesting. I know there's um, people debate whether or not it was a, a hot shotting a reaction. Um, I think it absolutely was, not just to AEW, but to the NFL uh, kicking off there. Um, it sadly didn't work for them because the rating just came out and it, w- it was not good. It was like the lowest since July. But I think oh, that wow. they delivered, yeah, they delivered a really exciting episode i loved how they set it up at the start um big e uh, putting out there that he was going to cash in which is good because uh, having a baby face money in the bank champions always hard because it's a bit of a heel move to cash in the briefcase when someone's down and out but you know he gave fair warning yeah. um, and i thought that i thought lashley and orton had a really good match and i really enjoyed the finish to it um and then Biggie winning was was fantastic. Like people absolutely loved it. He deserved it. Bobby Lashley was a great champion, though. Um, I really hope that he continues to be at the top of the card because he's been such a great act. Uh, and I just I wish Biggie well on his title reign. Um, I do always, you know, worry when they do these things that they're gonna kind of mess it up. But yeah, it was a, I know, it was, right? Yeah, no, like absolutely, you know, uh, Biggie's um, New Day stable mate, Kofi, he'll, he can tell Biggie all about that, what can happen to him, uh, Right. you know, <laughs> um, but I love Biggie being the champion, I think it's, it's cool, it's just, it's just overdue, but I think that not to be like just a downer on things, but it was definitely a like a very 
wow, this is an exciting, crazy episode of Raw. Like, tune in, you don't know what's going to happen. And that's great. But then, you know, you have the next week and the next week, we can't be cashing in briefcases every week. So there's, like, you know, there's a lot of things that they have to sort out. But that's always what WWE do. They they react by pulling something like this out of the hat. But I'm just glad that someone that benefited from it is someone that's very deserving of it. For sure, for sure. But one thing, one thing that I that I, I don't like is that I is, is two things. One is that it does seem like that no matter what WWE is going to do moving forward, even if they didn't pull the trigger with Big E last night, mm-hmm. it's almost unfair to. But it's hard to not see everything they do for at least for the rest of the year is not being reactionary. And that's the whole thing where it's like the same how I'm not into this whole like war, you know, back and forth thing. But AEW All Out was a declaration of war. Mm-hmm. Correct. I mean, is that is that is that is that fair to say that like I mean, because they could have spread those those debuts out and you know, it's like what Kurt Cobain yeah. said about Nevermind. He said, I, I should have, I should have should have put all those those songs on one album. I should have just milked a, a career out of it, right? Mm-hmm. For them to to just double and triple and quadruple down like that, that's not a that's not a pay-per-view. That's a movie. That's a that's a declaration of war. So it's it's difficult to not want to take anything WWE does right now and put mm-hmm. it underneath, you know, that microscope. So A, I, I don't like that because Big E deserves better. He deserves to have a legitimate win, a clean win in the middle of the ring. Like you said, not running in and picking the bones, like like kind of because yeah. the, the money in the bank thing is like you said, it's almost like a heel move, right? It's like yeah, no, it is. No matter who's it really holding is. it, yeah. Um, so I, I don't want there to be an asterisk by it. Oh well, you won because well, it was just your turn. Or yeah. B, you know, we had to do something, and this was going to shake things up. But you know, um, but but the rating came out, and it sucks. So we're going to do what we did to Nikki Ash. Uh, yeah. And uh, your 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 niece, right? <laughs> or I mean, was, her niece. Right? <laughs> what's interesting about it is, so it's been reported that he he was always going to win this the title, um, but when people kind of um, want to defend it as like not reactionary, I mean, this title match between Orton and Lashley was not meant to happen this week, and they even had to explain that at the beginning of the show. So um, I think, you know, like they, they basically had to put it out there themselves that they were like, cha- had changed their plans um, on the fly because it was meant to be the tag team match this week. But um, yeah, I think, you know, it, it is probably unfair to like put everything on a microscope saying that it's all a reaction. But I think people just want like a lot, a lot better from them and just keep hoping that like AW will push them into better storytelling. And it seems like given their history, especially the past couple of years, these things don't really tend to push them into like that way of any kind of like a slow build, like really good storyline to get best in. It right. more kind of just push them into like, let's give Big E the title. Let's bring back Brock Lesnar. Let's bring back Becky Lynch, you know, that kind of thing. Right, right, for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, I should just also let the people know that, that, are, that are watching, and we're going to go to a question here in a second, is that 
one thing that separates it, this is also not a competition, but what separates what you and I are talking, or at least what you're, at least what you're saying, maybe not what I'm saying, but what you're saying <laughs> is, uh, is that you have privileged information, meaning that when you go to, uh, you know, Apple, iTunes, and you're, you know, a hundred different wrestling podcasts to choose from, basically most of them are simply people sitting around that don't know any more than anybody else. Uh, and they're trying to book the whole show themselves or it's all speculation. There's real, you know, all it is, is like, it's like people who are, who are claiming that they're, they're doing research on COVID, right? Like you don't know any more than anybody else, but in this case you do. So let's explain that for a second. So you are the, the uh, WWE, or I guess you're the wrestling correspondent for digital spy. Mm -hmm. So talk about that for a second. What does that mean? How did you come into that role and talk a little bit about what your responsibilities are to that? Um, well, how I came into the role was just this what I wanted what I wanted to do was to write about wrestling and interview wrestlers. And um, I ended up luckily got a job at Digital Spy. And we write about all forms of entertainment, TV. Um, movies, you know, Marvel movies, um, soap operas that are big in the UK, stuff like that. And then we also had a wrestling section. So once I got a job there, I was kind of like, hey, I, I love wrestling. Like, that's what I want to do. Um, can I start writing about wrestling and like getting, you know, sent out to interviews and stuff? Um, and yeah, that, like, that's how that started. And then as far as my job there, um, we do like I, I don't do any kind of backstage reporting or anything like that that's very much like that's not what digital spies about um at all um so i write kind of like news stories that we know for sure are true so if someone has said something um like that's in an interview or whatever like any anything like we can verify like that and then i just do a lot of my own interviews with different wwe and aw superstars and and stuff like that so yeah it's it's a really really cool thing to get to do um what is what i i wanted to do and then i i also get to take the interviews like the videos and put them on my youtube and stuff like that so it's really nice but also, but are are you fed like like I, I get I do get the WWE press releases. I am I am we, we do have that. Um, we I we've covered uh, WrestleMania. We were we were at WrestleMania in Tampa this year. Uh, we did uh, you know we've done several, so we're part of that. But it is but, there, but there's something else where like if like Zelina Vega, who's like one of my favorite wrestlers, if she wanted to come on this show right now, she couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but she could come on yours. So explain what that difference is. Um, I, I guess it's just like, I don't really know. <laughs> I mean, so I work with the WWE like PR team. So they'll kind of ask me who do I want to interview? And, and that doesn't mean I'll get them or they'll just offer me different people. Um, so that, that's really how it works. When it comes to the UK, um, they definitely like being in, non-wrestling like publications sure, sure. Um, and like more non-sports publications as well so like working for working for a place where, that we're really built on like stuff like marvel you know they and they like to be like beside things like that so i guess that's just kind of about um building you know relationships and stuff like that and uh, as far but as far as like who who you get to interview and, and whatever it, it's usually like not up to you but 
Selena right. was a really, really good one. Um, I saw it. It was fantastic. Yeah. I, I, that was I, that was kind of where you, I think you landed on my radar was because I think somebody had liked it. And, it's, and it has something to do with Zelina. I'm probably going to be interested because I'm a big fan of hers. Yeah. And then I think I watched the interview that you did with her and I was uh, really impressed. And I love the, I love your interview style. I like how, oh, thank you. and it, it was also, it was very, very relaxed. I mean, cause you know, I mean, we're, we're shameless wrestling fans, but you know, it can get a little nerdy, you know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, uh, and I thought it was cool. It was it was more rock and roll and 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 less comic book store. And I and I love both. Trust me. I I, I buy my my vinyl here and I buy my comics here, right, right next door to each other. But I just I really appreciated um, uh, where you were coming from. I think she responded to you in a way that was uh, was very very um, different from the interviews that I've seen, and I appreciated that. So yeah, it's so well done. <laughs> Thank you. It was interesting with her, um, but oh, I, I definitely do, do like to, to to keep her rock and roll, but it was interesting with her because she had just come back to WWE um, and, you know, her her husband had basically had, he had just said that she came back because he was there and then, and then they fired him. So I really did like, I felt for her a lot um, and it's like very awkward. So with her, I just wanted to like, Firstly, I had to straight out ask her, you know, why did you come back? Like just at the start. But then once that was once that was over and like she'd answered that, and I'm sure she knew that she would have to answer that, then just make it a bit more like catered to stuff about her and her story and like stuff that she likes because there's so many interesting things that you can ask Selena she's had like such a cool um she's done a lot of cool things she has a lot of cool interests you know in life oh yeah there's a lot to talk to her about rather than going into like oh but your husband's doing this and like that like I didn't want to do that to her her I I think she liked me for that yeah (laughs) yeah the attention was finally on her for once where where it belonged And speaking of Twitch, she has, of course, a fantastic Twitch uh, channel, yeah. which was a kind of a point of contention, as we all mm-hmm. know, before uh, when that happened. And 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 I'll say this right now, speaking of Zelina Vega, man, they did her freaking dirty uh, last yeah, week. And I did. was so offended by that. Your mm-hmm. thoughts? Um, that was really, really bad um, for her. So this, this SmackDown, been in New York just before the the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and she lost her father in 9-11 and you know she has spoken about that uh, when she's been with WWE she spoke about it back when she was at TNA she'd been at a a 9-11 memorial that day and then she'd had like new gear made and everything just for this yeah just for this and you've got to imagine that she would have family members in the audience being from new york too and her match is the one that gets cut for time and that's just extremely sad and disrespectful i think especially if you are they had just released their their nine post 9-11 smackdown documentary as well and they were really um drawing attention to that being the anniversary and them being in New York and the fact that they'd been the first people to come back with a major live event after after 9-11. But then, you know, you've got someone on your roster that was so directly affected by that tragedy, that her own father, losing her father in it, and she's the person you cut. Yeah, how do you not know this? How do you not know this? And and that's the whole thing that we just mentioned just now, that anything they do good Mm-hmm. Uh, like the big E is going to be like, oh, 
that's just reactionary to AEW. But when they fuck up, you can say whatever you want on this show, by the way. But when they <laughs> fuck up like that, yeah, the reaction is, this is why AEW is, because it, it would be impossible to see AEW make this glaring, yeah. tone-deaf thing. Mm-hmm. And that's really what it is. I mean, it's like, if you're, are you so removed from your talent that you don't know this? How do you not know this? And, and what I, go ahead. I was going to say, what a big talking point recently has been like the treatment of wrestlers in their hometowns, because WWE has famously made wrestlers always lose in their hometown, like Billy lost in San Jose and stuff like that. And they kind of like to humiliate people in their hometown as well. And it's just really not on. And then we've seen AW in recent weeks present Britt Baker's the biggest star ever in Pittsburgh. CM Punk came home to Chicago, John Moxley, and then going even like lower down the card to Brian Pillman Jr. How he was allowed to be in Cincinnati on Dynamite and Rampage. And then this Selena Vega, it's not even just a question of it being her hometown. It's it's everything else around it. Something else, right. And they, you know, they still won't even let her have a match. Yeah, for, for, for them to humiliate her in her hometown, they would have to know that New York City was her hometown, which clearly they did not know. That. <laughs> you see my point? Like, it's just, it's, I was so offended by this that I, I I rarely, I don't like negativity and my social media is a safe space from all of that. Like you will, Mm -hmm. you will never ever see anything about negative. Like I try to, you know, but I made an exception for that. And I was like, this is the most tone deaf. It wouldn't even have to be 9-11. It's like the girl who got stood up at prom. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, she's all dressed up. She's expectant. She deserves it. So I thought that was that was a bit. While we take a short commercial break, you should too from trying to get yourself over. And since you're listening to this, you probably have disposable income. So let our great sponsors tell you how to put it to good use. Now back to the action. Hey guys, while we take a break, I wanted to tell you something about my favorite venue in Texas uh, and maybe the world over. Uh, If you have never been to the Texan Theater in Greenville, which is... Uh, it's you know a little ways north uh, on your way to Oklahoma. Uh, it's a, I guess it's about an hour and a half maybe north of, of Dallas. Uh, it is the greatest venue in the world. The proprietor, owner, and just all around badass Barbara Haran p- puts on one of the most unique experiences you will ever have in your life. Uh, she approaches things from a very different business model that I think the whole world should embrace and we would all would be uh, better for it. It's just this amazing uh, experience where you get to see uh, one of your favorite artists up close in a gorgeous venue and dinner is included, uh, unlimited drinks are included. Um, you know, she treats her staff so well, they're not getting the whatever the $2 an hour and relying on tips things. She makes, she takes good care of them. N- literally none of them have had to suffer uh, throughout the pandemic, thankfully. Uh, Barb's just a great gal, a great person, uh, very creative and just uh, just one of my favorite people. And so if you're ever in Greenville or even near, anywhere near Dallas, make a point to visit the Texan Theater in, in, uh, in Greenville. And as you know, we're working on our uh, uh, King's X film project, you know, as you know, I'm a 
filmmaker myself, and so we'll be should be talking about that maybe in the context of Tribeca soon. Uh, but we will be having the film along with a live performance uh, with King's X there at the Texas Theater uh, as soon as we can get this sucker done. So, so once again, Texan Theater in Greenville, check it out. Hey, what's up? This is Rick Ockberger, the WWE sign guy. Oh my lord! Oh, so, I, I, I've understood now that it was kind of the worst kept secret that he was going yes. to be from the show. Yeah, but I was somebody who who still, you know, I don't watch Dynamite every week. I DVR it, and then when I get around to it, I, they uh, Fighter Fest was actually here down the road, and I and I went to that. I thought it was cool. Um, I'm actually making a, uh, it's a whole other project, but I'm actually making a documentary uh, about a different band and and Chris Jericho is going to be, is is a part of that. So Chris Jericho was my interest there. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll come check it out. And it was like going to some house show and I, and I'd recognize people, Cody Rhodes and Taz and Jim Ross and and all those people. But I got to be honest, I still did. I did not leave that show just invigorated I, I liked how hot the fans were yeah but it, so in my mind I, I i don't keep up with it or are able to keep up with it or have the information that you do so i was somebody were kind of like is he really gonna you know is, is he really gonna no nah, you know and it actually got spoiled for me i tried not to let it get spoiled but i just happened to jump on twitter and you know, it was like dropping the the epitome of the, the of the atomic bomb in social yeah. media with him doing this and uh, and again, like I said, and we'll we'll have a pause here. So I, I'm going to drop in. A, have the producers tell me to drop in a soundbite. Mm. Anyone who's watching this or listening to this has seen this, but just as a frame of reference, that long sustained pop and pop. What we mean is for those that are you know, because again, we're not you know the audio is a wrestling thing, but the show at large is like Digital Spy. We do a lot of yeah. different things. Pop meaning crowd reaction is that was even when I think about it, I get almost emotional and I'm not even really a a fan of the guy. I'm just such a fan of what professional wrestling can be. And in that moment, it had it all. So as far as like any, any privilege information, it was a bad kept secret, but really like no one was getting this confirmed to them that CM Punk would be there. Um, for me, as um, a a fan of AW, a fan of CM Punk, and just someone that really studies the industry, I knew a hundred percent he was going to be there. Um, when they announced the, firstly, like of course, it was put out there by a reporter that CM Punk was going to AEW, um, and whether or not like you choose to believe that, once Tony Khan announced that they were. Um, doing a dynamite, a rampage, sorry, a random rampage in the United Center in Chicago. That was your 100% sign, like for for all the people that said, oh, I bet he's not turning up, whatever. Um, It would have been the end of AEW if he had not have turned up at that show because when you say that you're going to put on a show at, at that building and it's it's not like wrestlemania it's a rampage it's your second rampage and that's the building you've chosen um and then 
at, straight after that, you go into Darby Allen, Allen doing a promo where he says best in the world. Um, you're at the point where even though you never said the word CM Punk, you're false advertising if you don't like have him with right, you. Right. So I think that AEW have really proven that they 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 don't make promises they can't keep. So once that happened, I mean, I was watching that Dynamite with my friend that's a huge CM Punk fan. Um, we were just like, that's it. I mean, he's coming. Um, and Hi. when actually, so I spoke to, I, they did a press conference afterwards, after the rampage, and I got to ask Punk a question. And I, and I asked about like keeping it a secret from people that you knew or like, what was it like to like talk to people? And what he said was it, it, it was the worst kept secret. Like he, everyone knew, but that's how they wanted it. They wanted everyone to know without them ever saying, yes, CM Punk is going to be on Rampage. And it worked perfectly for them because that building was full of CM Punk fans and oh, all yeah. the CM Punk fans were watching. It was all over Twitter. It was, it could not have gone any better. Well, not only that though too though, but like the signs of Punk or Orwell Riot. Yes. Like that, that that's, she should be taking literally in <laughs> Chicago. Yes. Uh, and I'm, at, I'm probably expecting to see uh, 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 Punk actually this weekend. Because actually, we'll, we will be doing this live in Chicago. Nice. Uh, this, this weekend, we'll be doing it live from the Riot Fest and scheduled to play uh, on Friday during the day around three o'clock is Living Color. But that mm. evening, Living Color is doing their own late night show. Uh, and we, I got some feeling that there's going to be somebody that you will recognize that's going to come out and introduce that's them. So cool! That would, that's so cool. Yeah. So, 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 Punk introducing again. You didn't hear it from me, but uh, you, uh, but Punk introducing Living Color to kick off Riot Fest late night uh, this coming Friday in Chicago, uh, and we'll be there, and we'll be doing. Uh, actually, we'll be live. This is for here's here's my quick plug break here. So. Uh, again, make sure that you're following along with all the action. Follow us on Twitter on Tricky Kid and the number two under TKR Wrestling for Tricky Kid Radio Wrestling. You can get the audio version uh, exclusively first on iHeartRadio on the app and everywhere else you get your your podcast in the Google Play Store. Our Android fa uh, Android fans, you have not been forsaken. We're on every possible platform. We're on Spotify as well. Uh, as serious extent. Uh, okay. Uh, and then, of course, social media. I'm on Instagram under DJ Tricky Kid. Stephanie, where can they find you to fo follow along with all your action? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Stephanie M. Chase. That's the same on Instagram, Stephanie M. Chase, and YouTube, Stephanie Chase Wrestling. Okay. And, and like, kind of, kind of what you just said a while ago um, mm -hmm. about how that you. Um, let me turn this off. This I'm getting this one. There's not going to be any uh, echo there. Okay, let's get you back in here. Okay, all right. Let's pin you back in here. I don't know if that's going to. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to get out of that. Okay, cool. All right, so my producer is dropping that stuff in. We're just going to, we'll be back in about 20 seconds here and we'll be good to go. Recording. Okay, we got that. How, let's check in with uh, our stream just for one second. There we go. Okay. And I think we're good to go here. So let's do this here. Okay. 
All right, and you can still see me and everything's good to go there? Yeah. yeah okay, okay. Um, so, okay, and so if you just join us, we're, uh, we're talking with digital spy Stephanie Chase. Uh, she's been kind enough to join us uh, late night there in London, England. Uh, we're talking all things AEW's All Out, which I hopefully that you have seen. If you have not, I'm sure you've heard about it. If you are alive and have lived on this planet for the last few weeks. Um, so I, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you this though, too, about that is that you mentioned, give me just one second here, there's something there that was interesting. Okay. Um, so there was something that I thought was very, very interesting when you mentioned, you said about how that you were part of the media scrim or whatever they call it yeah. after. So that's, I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, like. Like you are a part of that, and that's that kind of separates the men from the boys right there. So, so how does how does that happen? I guess what I'm saying, like, I mean, how does why is Digital Spy considered to be somebody that would be invited to something like that? Um, I guess it's 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 kind of hard for me to answer. Um, with me, like myself, um, once AEW started. Um, I made it like my mission for us to cover AEW um, because Digital Spy was obviously like purely WWE before that. And I had like snuck in some other stuff like so. Tricky Kid Radio is distributed by iHeartRadio and is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and the Google Play Store. Subscribe for free on the iHeartRadio app or on your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe to Tricky Kid TV on YouTube.com for a stunning visual look at all the fun we have here, plus exclusive content, short films, and more. Follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle, at TrickyKid2, type Tricky Kid Radio Podcast on Facebook, and DJ Tricky Kid on Instagram. Speaking of which, subscribe now to Roy Turner's alter ego DJ Tricky Kid's amazing Twitch channel at twitch.tv for retro gaming, exclusive DJ sets, as well as DJ instruction and live streaming of Tricky Kid Radio, where you, the audience, can participate and interact with our guests. Don't miss a single stream, so you can be up to date on the latest on all things Tricky Kid. Subscribe now at twitch.tv slash DJ Tricky Kid. And it appears you're well read here. I'm looking over here to you, over your shoulder here. And what yeah. am I seeing? Uh, I'm seeing Daniel Bryan and CM Punk books. Nope. No CM Punk book. I have. So what is these, are, these are Chris Jericho books here. Oh, okay. Um, so the best in the world is Chris, a Chris Jericho book. Yeah. That's a Chris Jericho book. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's like his latest one, the list one. And then okay. Dan O'Brien. This is a book about how WCW died. Then I've got like Mick Foley, Bret Hart. That's one of the best ones. Ric Flair. Yeah, all the good ones. I mean, I mean, this is this is you. This is in your DNA, man. Like, love it. <laughs> Let, so, okay, we, we, we've been falling back and forth here about reactions, okay? Yeah. I'm sure that this was already in the plan or in the can, maybe maybe you could tell me differently. But after this thing happened with CM Punk, of course, we get into SummerSlam with WWE. The only yeah. thing I'm really interested in talking about in, about that is giving your thoughts about the Bianca Belair, Becky Lynch situation. Your thoughts. Um, so it 
this was another hot shot situation. Um, Becky, I think they were going to hold her off for two months and then they said, no, bring her back at SummerSlam. Um, I could not believe they did the what they did to Bianca Belair. There are so many different levels that of how bad this is. Um, firstly, like Bianca is one of the few homegrown success stories that, that WWE has. Um, she came in from the world of CrossFit. Uh, she wasn't sitting like dreaming about being a wrestler. She wasn't out in the Indies. They trained Bianca Belair from scratch and they did a really, really good job with her. Um, and at a time when NXT ha had been put under so much scrutiny, she was a fantastic counter argument for like why NXT should exist. Um, right. Because like, you know, pe people like me will not say that NXT has been a bit of a failure as far as producing stars from like from the bottom. But Bianca, it was a great counter argument. Um, so they did this to her on that weekend. Um, there's also, she had been in WrestleMania in the first black women's main event um, that they, WWE love to pat themselves on the back of, of, about things that they should have done a long time ago. Right, um, right. Which like the women's revolution should have happened a long time ago. Sure. But with Bianca and Sasha, you know, they had them at the ESPY Awards. Um, they made like like docu documentaries about it, whatever. Like they're trying to inspire young girls and young boys as well. And it's like, well, uh, well, now we know the ending to that story to Bianca's title reign was her being beaten in a couple of seconds by an, you know, a white woman coming out basically rather than like getting a proper match. So that's extremely bad too. Um, it just was unnecessary like if you bring becky back for the reaction and for the pop but she could have come back and said i challenge you bianca and we could have got that set up or um she could have so like why though but tell me why though like i mean like i, I mean we know why what did they happened, do it yeah what yeah. what do you think is Obviously, it's tone deaf and, and, and it's yeah. dumb, and we can't make any sense of it. But, yeah. what, but what do you think is their logic of why that happened? I think their logic is so Becky wanted to be a heel, and they thought, what better way to turn her heel than to have her get this kind of cheap shot victory over Bianca because she just like sucker punched her and then rock bottomed her. Um, but I don't see how that is good either because you there were many stories to tell that could have led you to a a proper match and as far as like Becky being a heel yes she's getting a heel reaction but I think that it, it was such a bad way to do it and I think the way Vince thinks is just wrong like him thinking that yeah this will be great and everyone's going to be talking about it but there comes to a point when as much attention as you might want, you, you shouldn't be doing things that are just detrimental to like the brand and the people. And I think with Bianca, you know, she's she's still getting a great baby face reaction. People are still behind her like they should be, but that's always gonna, she's always gonna be the person that was beaten in a couple of seconds by Becky just coming back. And it, it's not right. And it wasn't, it wasn't fair to hire someone that has just been doing so well. But don't you think also too though, like, I mean, I guess the question I, ha I have for that is this, this is, mm -hmm. is, let me see here. I was getting a bit of a, there we go. Okay. I was just getting a little bit of stuff there. Okay, there we go. Okay. 
So, but what, but tell me about this stuff. If you know this, and I know this, and the entire people that were there at SummerSlam, all collectively, this wasn't a mixed thing of like some loved it, some hated yes. it. Yeah. It was a entire stadium of people all at once groaning. How does a billion dollar company with a century of experience, how do they not know this? I think with Vince, when he heard everyone react badly to it, instead of thinking, oh, we fucked up, he thinks this is great heat for Becky being a heel. Um, I don't think he understands the idea of, of just how have it, of, of just like properly servicing your fans now. Um, I think with Vince, the older he's gotten, the more he has just wanted everything to go his way and he's willing to like just force it when it's clearly not working. I think this is just another example of this. Back in the day, Vince was adaptable. You know, Vince never um, earmarked Steve Austin to be a big star, He, but he was, he was adaptable and he could go along with things. And I think the older he's gotten, like the more he's been unable to do that. Um, I think it, it doesn't help he's got Bruce Pritchard with him because he's that's just a yes man. Um, and he's just not bringing in, um, you know, other voices that could tell him this because it doesn't matter how many writers he has, how young they are, everything about that. He, he's not listening to them. It, it's not like, write me the best story you can. It is, write me what I want to, to see. Yeah, but he also has a guy like, we mentioned earlier about how you know, I would never be dismissive of something that I don't understand, okay? Yeah. But he is, and it does seem to kind of be this thing. I hear this a lot, like, oh, Vince McMahon has lost the plot. And, and, and I'm not somebody that's, that's ready and willing to just accept that. In fact, I'm like, wait a minute. Vince McMahon is a smart man. He knows what he's doing. I, I put a, a little bit more faith in that. But he has made that almost impossible to maintain that faith. You mentioned Bruce Pritchard, who is somebody who wasn't in his life for a long time, that is now back in his life, who reminds him of his younger, wilder things. And it's kind of like these kids today, they don't know shit. We know, yeah. you know, it is. And, and so that's it's just it's just hard for me to think that how how could you have blown this with or without the AEW thing that had just happened with Punk? This still is just such a, a major blemish, and it's and it just, mm -hmm. it's so tone deaf. But when you have that comparison of like, okay, what y'all going to do now? And this yeah. is what you answer with? You answer with one of the biggest faux pas. Tell me this. What do you think is, are they in damage control mode now? Is he accepting that he fucked up and now we have to go into damage control? Or do you think he doesn't give a shit? No, I don't think he's accepting that he fucked up at all because as long as Becky's being received as a heel, then he thinks that job done. Okay. Um, okay. And I don't see him as going into really damage control either. Um, I honestly think, and it's just, it, it's sad, but like I don't think he gives a shit as long as he's making money. Um, and I, I think the only way he will is if he stops making money. And right now... They're, they're making a ton of money still, of course, but the ratings are are dipping for them. But I think that the only 
way he's going to be affected is when he goes and tries to get his next TV deal. And he's told by Fox, like, your ratings aren't good enough. We're paying too much for you. You're um, working with Peacock, who are our rivals. And I don't know if we want to do business with you anymore. And yeah. I think only stuff like that is like, that's the only way to get through to him. Um, because as long as the profits are good, he doesn't care. Like, don't, you know, don't ever think that Vince McMahon cares about wrestling or wrestling storytelling. This man has spent decades trying to um, make you call wrestling sports entertainment. He just, he does not want it. He's a guy in the wrestling business that doesn't want to be in the wrestling business. Right. Like he wants to be known for something else. Um, and it's just it like, it's sad. Um, as I think as long as he's in charge, I don't see things getting much better. Like the, this, the saga of NXT is a sad one, you know, as well, like what he did to that brand. So. Well, and do you think that that, I mean, seriously, I, I know it, it's very easy to say that, that like he purposely buries the NXT stars because he, you know, it's like the guy only liking the music that he remembered in yeah. high school and whatever this rap shit is today, I don't get it. Is, is that, is that, it's easy to see Vince McMahon saying that, but is he really saying that? Is he really burying NXT stars on the main show to prove a point? Would he do that? I don't know if he's doing that. I think that, that with the NXT stars that he get, like, Vince McMahon just did not get NXT, the NXT, the incarnation of it that did so well. Um, the NXT version of it, even bef before AEW came along when it was really, really good. Um, it's not something that Vince got and all like credit to Triple H who did notice the boom of indie wrestling and decided to like get on that train when Vince was just stuck. And I think in any other company, um, Triple H would have won this tussle with Vince because sure. you'd have people that would say like, hey, this guy's pushing us into the future. Uh, I think when it comes to like, I, I think he sees the NXT guys, a lot of them, um, what they look like, there's the height stuff. I mean, it, it has been reported that he offered Adam Cole a, a position as Keith Lee's manager as his way to make him stay on the main roster. So that kind of shows you what he thinks of them. There are people like Bianca Belair, don't forget that like Charlotte and Bailey came from NXT that he's done well with, but they're kind of more in the, the ilk of what he likes. Um, but if you look now, I think now there might be a bit of pettiness, like what's going on with Karrion Cross, just kind of insane. <laughs> yeah, and I was actually at that match because if you know, it was in it was uh, that Raw uh, mm. was in Dallas uh, because we went out yeah. to Houston for the first SmackDown back, and then the first Raw was back in Dallas when that whole thing mm. happened with Jeff Hardy and Karrion Cross, and mm -hmm. and you mentioned a while ago talking about Bianca Belair. And I said, thankfully, I was actually the only time I've ever been ringside ever was actually at that that uh, Bianca Sasha match in Tampa. Yeah. And not that anything would good would come out of COVID, but normally, if it wasn't for COVID, I would have had to have been up in the press box. Mm -hmm. But the press boxes were closed because of COVID, and they had since WrestleMania was two nights. We got to pick who, or actually, we didn't get to pick which night you were going to get to be on the field. And yeah. if I had gotten to request it, I would have picked to be 
uh, for Sasha and Bianca. And thankfully I was. So I was, and let me tell you something, that emotion that you see on, were you at WrestleMania this year? No. no yeah, but okay. yeah. I, I figured you weren't because you weren't able to travel. Because, yeah. But that emotion you see on her face, either she's the best actress in the world or it was one of, I mean, I felt like there was a lot of things after seeing it on screen versus being there that there was so much that you did not see mm-hmm. in the pay-per-view that was really, really felt there. And this is way before the AEW punk thing that happened later on. So I left there actually feeling feeling pretty good. There's something that actually happened before they went live with all the wrestlers out on uh, the stage. You see a little bit of it now in that documentary that, that came out, but it would be hard to exaggerate uh, what that felt like. Like you, it was just this really palpable experience or um, communication that you felt that they missed us and we missed them. Uh, Shane was the first one out. He was doing that thing that he does. It, and I'm a pretty good wordsmith. And it, it's, it was hard for me to articulate this ripple effect that that had. And, and the lights were down. I mean, like, and we've just dealt with this whole storm. So, uh, you know, it, it brought something back to me. I was proud to be there, you know? And then at SummerSlam, I was not there. But when that Becky shit happened, I would have been embarrassed. Yeah. To be to, to be so. Um, okay, let's move into this now. Okay, so after that happens, we're all leading up to AEW's All Out. Yeah. And now, did you already know? I mean, everybody had speculations. Did you already know about? I mean, we obviously knew Ruby Riot was that, that that was pretty much a given. Yeah. But did you already know for sure that Daniel Bryan and Adam Cole were going to be on the show? Um. So Daniel Bryan initially, the reporting was that he was going to be at Arthur Ashe, which is next Wednesday, and then it was reported that it was moved up. So I was pretty certain that we were getting Daniel Bryan at All Out. Adam Cole. So I thought that Adam Cole was coming to AEW because, I mean, I know people were debating it. I never thought he'd stay at WWE. He'd have to be daft to stay at WWE. And and, and I know he's a smart man, but I did not think we would get him on that night because I thought, well, it's Daniel Bryan's time. But they played both uh, Bryan and Cole in one night, which if you had told me that's what they were going to do, I would have thought, that that sounds like too much two debuts at once who's gonna overshadow who it played out perfectly with how they did it totally absolutely perfect and then also with ruby riot kind of being a a third debut uh the big show of course paul white his first show back Mm -hmm. uh cm punks for i mean like i said earlier at the top of the show this is a declaration of war Do, do do you think that if they were like tell me this how much does that speak to establishing themselves? Like if they were already as established as WWE was, do you think they still would have pulled the trigger on that? Or do you think that's directly because of that? I The way I see it um, with what they did at All, at All Out, I feel like that was AEW saying this is AEW 2.0 or this is AEW season two. You know, it. this is a... A promotion that started with some guys who maybe you heard of if you watch 
indie wrestling or Japanese wrestling with Kenny and the Young Bucks. Cody, a guy that was kind of discarded by WWE, even though he left on his own volition, but he was discarded in the booking. Um, it started with those guys. Then they got Jericho, like greatest of all time. They got him on board. Um, and then they got John Moxley a couple months after that. And I think that everything we saw, that was kind of season one of AEW. Like that was them establishing themselves. They established themselves with really good pay-per-views with like great matches, great storytelling. But when Punk came in, I think that was like the season one finale. Like we got this guy, like that was like- a good way of putting it. Yeah, it's a good way of putting it. that their season one ended yeah. on. All out, that was the season two premiere. And it's like, now this is, this is a different, we've moved into a different era of AEW. Um, like I love when Daniel, when Daniel Bryan, a promo he did um, that wasn't aired on the pay-per-view, but is on YouTube to the crowd where he thanked um, Jericho for like being the guy that like that established AEW, which he absolutely was. Um and this phase of, of AEW is going to be so interesting because this is like, okay, so Jericho, Moxley, Omega, Bucks, like they did the work. And now this is like pushing it in, like, let's push this even further and see like how much bigger we can get it. So I do like, you know, Declaration of War, but I see it more as like, it, this is like 2.0. It's like, we established ourselves. We kicked NXT's ass. That They're like in the dust, whatever's happening with them. Um, now here we are, like we're an absolute serious threat. We're coming for those raw ratings and the demographic in law. And we've got Daniel Bryan and, and Adam Cole. And it's the, the great thing about like bringing in, you bring in punk and people, know that CM Punk hates WWE he's made that he's been very vocal about that um he doesn't have a reputation as being the easiest guy to get along with uh, so you can say like so whatever AEW got CM Punk WWE wasn't going to get them get him anyway so is this really like a big win Daniel Bryan and Adam Cole are two guys who loved working in WWE thought it was great they love Vince McMahon they're happy guys and they still made the decision to jump. So I think that's an even bigger deal that you've got those guys. And with rumors of other people whose contracts are coming up, it's like, it's one thing if you can get people that like hate where they work, hate their job, like Moxley. Um, but it's a, an even better thing if you can get guys that are actually happy to come over, I think. So, yeah. So, but let me ask you this though. There's a series of questions I want to ask about that. Mm -hmm. One, okay. Is that, doesn't it seem like when WCW fell apart, what I know about it now, yeah, there was no surprise that that was good, that was falling apart. And and then you said something a while ago that if Adam Cole had any had a brain in his fucking head, he would know that this ship ship is sinking and get the fuck out, right? Okay, mm -hmm. it's isn't it kind of odd or hard? to see WWE 2021 as those that saw WCW in 2001? Because you see the similarities? You probably saw Mick Foley's video about, you yeah. know, WWE, Houston, we have a problem thing. Yeah. Okay. So he kind of put into words, and I'll, I'll have links to that video so people know what I'm talking about, and I'll drop in a soundbite here. But when he does that, 
isn't it hard to imagine that we're now in a place where the confidence that people would have as a wrestler and as a fan to develop this is gone? Talk to me about that and talk to me about your thoughts about what Mick Foley said in his video. Well, Adam Cole, like to take Adam Cole as an example, I see Adam Cole very much like um, when Jericho left WCW. Um, you know, Jericho left WCW because he knew that he'd never get on top there. Like there was just too much of a barrier. It was never going to happen. Um, and they were never going to see him like the star that he was. And with Adam Cole, it's like the same reason. Like that's why... And I said he'd be an idiot to stay because he has to look at like the writing on the wall of how they treat guys his size, even just how they treat guys from NXT. And then the fact that he got offered a position of uh, as a manager, like he knew he wasn't going to break through that that barrier. Um, but yeah, I think um, what Mick Foley said, uh, it's interesting that Foley came out and said it. Like he's not, he's not scared. He's, he's probably angling for some AEW work as well, if he can. <laughs> he wants to be with his friends, right? He can, there's finally yeah. another, there's finally another, you know, uh, an alternative. Because mm -hmm. that's really what it is, is because it's like, you know, John Moxley said probably for me the most, the thing that really says it the most, speaks to me the most is when he said, when he was explaining, he kind of did something on a podcast later. I think it was with Jericho uh, the first time he spoke later. And during the interview, he said, he goes, the main issue is this. He goes, is that they take wrestling away from you. Like, I'm a yeah. wrestler. I love wrestling. And what I want to do is I want to go out and ply my craft. And instead, they take, like, it, it seems like we're wrestling. And you know me as a wrestler. But what they do, in fact, is they take wrestling away from you, okay? But it, and it seems like that they're taking wrestling away from the fans. So, by and large, AEW is giving wrestling back to the wrestlers, and they're giving wrestling back to the fans. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Punk started, like said in his promo the last time he was a wrestler was back when he was in Ring of Honor. Uh, Daniel Bryan talked as well about that he is a wrestler and that he even you know said the word wrestling when it was banned. Um, and he, in his book, has a, has a bit about, I think it was William Regal basically telling him that WWE is a parody of wrestling. So the, you know, WWE, like, if you want to be a wrestler and that is your seri seriously what you want to do and it's a craft and it's an art form, then yeah, it's it's not the place for it. It's like, I don't know, if you if you what you really want to do is be a um a like Olympic figure skater and you want to do the best routines possible and you want to make them up yourself, um, then AEW is that. But if you just want to be told to like skid around, then you may end up in the ice capades, and that's WWE. Right. Um, I think like right, right. there's just. But but, but they, so too though. Why is it gleeful though? Because I feel I feel gleeful. I can sense the glee, glee in your voice as well. Is it because they're the big bad dog in the yard and they've been on top for so long? Because you know you always kind of root for for, for the for the underdog. Like when ECW had to yeah. fold. That was kind of sad when you hear yeah. about these, you know, this little indie, you know, corporation. It's sad. Why? Why are? 
the only thing that we're mourning is that we no longer recognize the WWE that we remember or that we grew up with or that we enjoy. But instead of feeling sad about that, we're fucking pissed off about that. And then B, we're so mad that we are seeking retribution in a sense. And the fact that this is happening feels like the retribution that we seek and therefore we can't help but feel almost like, ha ha, motherfucker, we're glad about it. Your thoughts? I think for me, um, a, a lot of people have the, the strong attachment to WWE, which is like what keeps them fans and very supportive of the product to uh, almost like a sycophantic level. Um, for me, like I first off loved WCW and they died and they died because they got shit. And I accept that. And I had moved off of WCW about a year or two before their actual death. So when they, they died, it like didn't affect me. I was like, well, it was done for, you know, anyway. So I'm, I'm totally fine with just recognizing something that you once loved being now bad and moving on. And with WWE, like they give me many, many years of entertainment. Right. But it's been so bad now for so long but with 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 no attempt to fix it and to change things and i think why people got so into nxt and invested in the original nxt um and that i did and people that i know who are the biggest fuck wwe people that you'll ever meet like way bigger than i would ever be because i couldn't i couldn't work if i felt like them they were into nxt nxt almost like tricked you into thinking it was an indie you know promotion yeah, like that that's it how good like it. it was and yeah. to make it to make the trick even better you had Triple H in charge and Triple H had been traditionally someone that was not liked by people who liked, you know, your guys like CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, um, Jericho, like people did not like Triple H for the way he treated like those guys. So Triple H ended up becoming like a, a, a darling to like the outsider indie kids because he created NXT. Yeah, so, he, he becomes he becomes the CM Punk to those people. Yeah, yeah, he like he he really baby faced himself, and it's it, it's just funny because like as bad as WWE had been, and uh, and you were like craving for them like do something, and then they did they did NXT and it was innovative and it was cool and it was modern, uh, and it was young and like there were all these hipsters there people that would have never been into wrestling and you could sit yeah. back and be like wow, this could maybe be something like, maybe this could crack through into like the mainstream or something like that. Um, but then they just made bad decisions with that too. And then like, luckily AEW came along to give us something else. So I think yeah. like the glee, if there is if there is glee or if it sounds like there's glee in, in WWE kind of like being on the downturn or like failing, it's just because like, there's only like so many years you can wait for things to get better when you just realize like it's it's not vince won't let it and even when his own son-in-law tried it just it didn't happen you yeah, know if, if triple a's can't make it happen no one can i mean i mean yeah. i also like family yeah well you know so okay so in the last couple minutes we have here i want to we'll do a quick rapid fire thing here i think it'd be a lot of fun okay mm -hmm. uh one okay 
what are you most looking forward to? Let me back up just one second, okay? Um, okay, so where I became aware of the Indies was this about uh, about four years ago, maybe five years ago. I guess it was five years ago. Uh, I got hired because I have the gift of gab and I do this show and everything else to come and be. I was actually a heel commentator for a local promotion here in Texas. Nice. And all those guys came through, you know, Chris Hero and, uh, you know, and, and, and Cody when he was doing his indie tour and all that. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know who any of these people were. So I now have had an appreciation because I've now been able to call matches. Uh, Ember Moon wrestled as Athena here down the road. Yeah. I've called a bunch of her matches and stuff. Moving forward that we now have this set up, tell me what you're most anticipating in a positive way that you're looking forward to. Let's say just from now until like WrestleMania, like do you, do you see AEW building towards their own version of WrestleMania or something like that? Um, I think, well, as far as like their structure of the shows, I think that it's going to be kept as like four events that are kind of equal in billing. Um, and then like big shows for Dynamite, like Arthur Ashe next week, um, which I think it's what's really cool about that is even before they started doing this, whether it's WWE or AEW, like, you know, when the pay-per-views are coming, but now they just start springing out things like, Beach Break, Arthur Ashe, you know, winter is coming. So you have those ones where you like, you don't exactly know what's going to happen between like now and WrestleMania, which I think is really, really cool. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking forward to seeing um, what AEW is like now with Punk and Brian and Cole as full-time roster members, what storylines they're going to come up with and how it, how their numbers will increase as it um, against Raw rather than against anything else. I think like now the comparison has to be with Raw. I don't expect them to like suddenly start like beating them by massive numbers, but I'd like to see kind of a steady increase in that and increase in interest. And I think that when <clears throat> the, the, everything like really opens up in the world as far as COVID, I wanna see AEW really get out there and promote this brand promote this product and I want to see them do it in a way where they almost like repair the image of wrestling yeah because I think you know it, it's different in in Britain wrestling is does not have the best image and I don't think it does in America either because any <laughs> American I have spoken to who I have not met through wrestling like treats me as badly for liking wrestling as any person in the UK does. Like I told so, you, as a kid, you had to defend it. As an adult, yeah, you have to, to defend yeah. it, you know? So I'd love to see AEW kind of like repair that image in a way and be like, you know, you might think wrestling is this, but like this is what it is. And I think that would be really cool and helpful. So, okay. So tell me this now. What is, I'll say this. I was at, so I lived in New York for about eight years. So I was mm -hmm. at WrestleMania 29 mm -hmm. and I was at the Raw the night after uh, in New Jersey when Dolph Ziggler walked down the aisle with my gal, AJ Lee, and now yeah. the world champion, Big E, on mm -hmm. either side of him when he cashed in on Alberto Del Rio. And let me tell you something, for me, that is the loudest pop I've ever have, have been a part of. 
mm-hmm. have ever witnessed. I would actually, the WrestleMania after 32, the next night in Dallas was when Enzo and Kaz debuted. And that was, that was up there. But yeah. that, that thing with Dolph Ziggler to this, they had that European, uh, you know, crowd in the house. Yeah. And when you say it blew the roof off the joint, it, it, it's hard, it's hard to articulate what that was like being there. Mm-hmm. The punk I wasn't there, but just by watching it, it really seemed like it, it, it not only would it compare, but it might actually exceed. Yeah. What in your personal experience of you being present for, what's the loudest pop you've ever heard? I think the loudest I've ever heard um, would be- In person. So the American shows I've been to, there's not been anything like gigantic. I was at the first SmackDown on Fox and obviously The Rock got a huge pop when he came out because he's The Rock. Um, there was a huge negative pop when Brock destroyed Kofi in 20 seconds. So that was a bad one. Um, but over in the UK, they had a show in, so I think it was the Royal Albert Hall, which is like quite an like important venue here. Right. Where, uh, I've been, uh, been there many times. Yeah. So Mustache Martin um, won the NXT tag team titles, but it was something that they ended up like taking it off them like a week later or something like they clearly just did it for the uk crowd but it was insane the reaction to this um like absolutely crazy and they were so over uh, like jumping into the crowd and everything and i think that's one of the loudest kind of pops in a obviously it's not an arena so it's a smaller place but like in a right. environment but i've heard people just going crazy and i guess that's what happens when you give people something good in their home yes. time for once. Well, WWE did that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I point to it as, as, as my last question because I really think that that's the hope for the future because I think that we grow up with those moments. Yeah. Whether you're there or not. Mm-hmm. Like for me, like I, I wasn't there, but I grew up when Michael Hayes slammed the cage on Kerry Von Erich just up the road here at the Sportatorium on Christmas night to start the Freebird Von Erich feud. You, you know what this is, right, of course, yeah. right? Um, and then you, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, Dusty and Flair in the cage at Starcade. Then we get on to Hogan and the Giant at WrestleMania three. We grow up as fans wanting to have that moment in our time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Not something that, that, that's yeah. revisionist that we look at. And, and that's why I point to that that pop with punk because there are so many young people or people that are later are going to look back and going to go, Oh my God, you were alive when that happened or, yeah. or you know, so yeah. I am so happy that that happened because it just ignited the wrestling world. Your coverage of that was so spectacular. It's what brought us, you know, here together today. So I, um, and so in closing, one last time, Stephanie, tell everybody again, where can they see all of your uh, nuggets of wisdom and your continuing contributions to this great thing we call professional wrestling? Thank you. Uh, well, you can firstly head to Digital Spy, um, digitalspy.co.uk. We have a WWE section. We have an AW section. 
Um, definitely stay tuned on the AW section in the lead up to Arthur Ashe. Um, and yeah, follow me on YouTube, Stephanie Chase Wrestling, where all those interviews will be on video. Selena Vega, like we just talked about, there's a couple up there with Chris Jericho. Um, there's like a range of stars from both AEW and WWE. And then just follow me on Twitter at Stephanie M. Chase and on Instagram at Stephanie M. Chase as well. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. And you know, Stephanie, I hope that the next time we do this, I hope that we, A, we will do, we will be able to do it again. And B, the next time we do it, it'll be in person. I hope and so. <laughs> I hope so, man. And hopefully it will be at a wrestling show. Hopefully I'll, oh, you know, we'll be strutting down the aisle and go, hey, there's my girl from the UK. <laughs> With that Irish yeah. accent. Uh, <laughs> darling, you've been so lovely. Thank you so much Thank you. for staying up late. And Ring the bell. That does it for us this week. We hope you had a slamming good time and be sure to join us next week for more in-ring action. This has been a presentation of Tricky Kid Media Originals, distributed by iHeartRadio, created and directed by Roy Turner, edited and mastered by Marcus Miller, Theme music by The Buck Pets. Original score by Jocelyn Hunt. Artwork by Antora Sandy. Marketing and PR by Francesca Miles. Tricky Kid Radio is hosted by Roy Turner with introductions by me, Dana French. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next week.